Welcome to today's podcast, Challenges TPAs Face When Competing Against Buka Carriers. This program is brought to you by the Healthcare Administrators Association, HCAA. For over 40 years, HCAA has supported third-party administrators and the self-insured employer industry through educational opportunities from leading industry experts. For information on joining HCAA, please visit our website, hcaa.org. I'm your host, Ramesh Kumar, and I'm on a mission to bring value to the healthcare industry through improved transparency. And my goal from this podcast is to give you one aha moment that you can implement in your business, whether you're a TPA, broker, or an employer. In my day job, I run a company called Zaki Point Health that helps self-insured employers and their employees find meaning from their healthcare data. Please like or share this podcast on your favorite podcasting tool so we can bring together a community of like-minded professionals. Before we begin, I would like to bring you a word from our sponsor, OptumRx. OptumRx specializes in the delivery, clinical management, and affordability of prescription medication and consumer health products. High-quality pharmacy care services help deliver optimal member outcomes, smart savings, and outstanding customer service. We are an Optum company a leading information and technology-enabled health services business dedicated to making the health system work better for everyone. Today, we have Dallas Script, CEO of Benefit Management, a TPA from Wichita, Kansas, and Ashok Subramaniam, co-founder and CEO of Centivo, a TPA from Buffalo, New York, to talk about challenges TPAs face and how they are tackling these challenges, including marketing and member experience. This podcast was recorded prior to the big game between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas Chiefs. So you will also hear a little bit of a little banter between the Kansas Chiefs and the Buffalo Connor as well. So enjoy. Let's dig into it. Great. Thank you. Um, thank you, Ashok. Thank you, Dallas. I really am excited for our session today, which is really titled Tackling the Member Experience, the two perspectives from Buffalo team and also another team from Kansas. So we're going to fight it out today and thank you for joining us. So today I've got a friend, colleague from the healthcare industry. I've known him for over five, six years now and very forward-looking, innovative healthcare executive has launched a TPA business. He'll talk a little bit more about it, but I've always been impressed by his approach to how we can kind of bring disruption to the healthcare industry, representing the Buffalo team over here. But we also have Dallas Script uh, representing from the Kansas side. He runs a Dallas runs TPA called Benefit Management out of Kansas, and also a very forward-looking executive in healthcare who really thinks that member experience needs to be fundamentally different. So I'm looking forward to our discussions. But with that, let me just have Ashok and Dallas, the two of you, introduce yourself, your journey, and what you're doing in your organization. Dallas, you want to go first? Sure, I'll, I'll take a run. I appreciate that. You know, the journey to TPA space is interesting. I think anyone who has grown up on the insurance side of healthcare, as they are interlocked, and there's really no way around that piece of it, none of us have set out to end up in insurance, but uh, sometimes uh, things that work out the way they're supposed to, and it's been a great fit for me. And grew up in the TPA space uh, on the business development sales side, and then had the opportunity to go to the consulting side working with employers for a brief period of time before coming back in the current role as, as president of benefit management. And some of the things that became very evident to me uh, with regards to the, the broken process that exists today from healthcare all the way through insurance, 
I personally believe both sides are equally to blame in that in that equation really comes down to the lack of granularity when it comes to looking at patients, looking at, at health plans that are being offered. So there's a real driving need for customization for healthcare to reach where it needs to, which is going to include a number of items, everything from payment reform, but all the way through the way clinical is put together and where and how care is ultimately delivered. One of the driving forces and something that leads us at benefit management is really that the member has been more or less neglected when it comes to health insurance. Health insurance companies, TPAs, for the most part, members have had an ID card and a phone number to call to ask some questions, and that was pretty much the extent of it. Healthcare is very complex, and we have really taken the approach and revamped kind of our entire company around the fact to, to base it around the member. And to look at the member's journey through healthcare, to intercept that member at key points when they need the help and they need the resources, while also continuing with that member all the way post any kind of treatment that they've received. And by doing that, really gaining a more well-rounded version of that member, and then as a result, a more well-rounded version of the plan, so then we can come back from an employer perspective and start to have much more granular conversations about how to move the needle and reach the goals of their membership. So it's really been exciting. Great. Thank you, Dallas. Ashok, how about you? Yeah, thank you, Ramesh, first of all. Thank you, uh, Dallas, for having me. And I'm, I love the fact that the Kansas City TPA is wearing a Buffalo Bills shirt, so it's fantastic. So Ashok Subramanian, CEO of Centivo, we're uh, about a three-year-old organization, so we're on the newer end of the spectrum. I've been sort of a healthcare startup guy for going on 13, 14 years now. My last company, uh, Liaison, was an early player in private exchanges. Through that experience, what we learned, it's very similar to Dallas, a lot of what you just said. We tend to forget that employees of organizations are people themselves, and they have needs that are unique. Just because they work at the same organization as someone else doesn't mean they have the same issues, the same healthcare preferences, the same ways of interacting. And we learned that people are frankly quite willing to choose different types of plans and products when given options that are available to them, largely because half of America can't afford healthcare anymore. Even if they have a health insurance product through their employer, they might as well be uninsured because of the deductibles that are out there. So we've set out to, I think like others, do our part to create a better experience and to restore affordability and predictability in the healthcare experience. And one of the ways we do that is by partnering closely with healthcare systems in markets to deliver a product that is structurally lower cost than those that can be available from larger players, but also meeting the needs of employers through a flexible chassis and using some of the digital tools that are out there to help engage members more effectively. Sounds good. Sounds like both of you are thinking very deeply about the member. We'll get to the member in a second, but let's just talk a little bit about the game, upcoming game. So... How is your organization getting ready for the game on Sunday? Yeah, sure. Uh, there's a lot of excitement. I'm definitely outnumbered as a Bills fan in the middle of Kansas. I presume you're the only one there. Yeah, I, I don't know about the only one, but there's definitely not too many. You notice I picked red, so I blend in a little bit. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it's Kansas City Chiefs are definitely the dominant team with inside of uh, our four walls, and people are very excited about the opportunity for the Chiefs to go to a second Super Bowl. And and we're just hoping that doesn't happen. Sure, how's your team doing? 
Yeah, so uh, I don't know if we're making predictions at the end of the podcast, so I'll hold my thought if we're doing that. But you know, our, our organization is very excited. We have a significant workforce in Buffalo. I'm from Buffalo. A lot of Zoom backgrounds have magically become uh, Buffalo Bill, red, white, and blue. And uh, there's, a, there's an enthusiasm in the air and an optimism that comes from the fact that this team has just really come together behind a phenomenal performance of our quarterback, Josh Allen. So very excited. The Chiefs are definitely the favorite. They're the champs until someone knocks them out. They'll be the favorite in any game, but a lot of excitement for this Sunday. Daz, you have a little personal story with the Bills connection there as well, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. It's, it's interesting. Um, was a student coaching intern at Ohio State football for four years, and one of my best friends that I met while doing that, uh, we kind of went different paths. He went front office in the uh, the NFL and went to the Bills 17 years ago. So I've, I've been a Bills fan, uh, wanting him to be successful for the last 17 years going to games in Orchard Park. Uh, I obviously went a different path. I actually went into the, the college coaching world, did that for a little while and figured out I wanted something different with my life and, and ended up in the healthcare, health insurance industry. And uh, very pleased for both of us, actually. Well, we'll, we'll be talking about how you are tackling the business challenges learning from your coaching world. So maybe let's move the conversation to what are some of the challenges, biggest challenges as a TPA, running a TPA that you are tackling and how have you overcome those? Asher, do you want to uh, take a run at this one? Sure. So, you know, there's, there's big challenges, there's small challenges. When you step back, I actually think the biggest challenge is what I like to call the believability of the fact that an organization that isn't a Fortune 75 company, that isn't one that everybody in you know, America or the world has heard of, can administer a health plan. And it is remarkable that there is a mystique to carriers, but the functions that carriers do, payment of claims, answering phone calls, managing provider networks, supporting compliance, and so on, are things that hundreds of TPAs around the country do do. So that's sort of the first issue, which is helping reset the market from an employer perspective to say, it's not about the company name, it's about the actual performance of functions in a way that is aligned with your financial and member experience goals. And whether it's a Centivo, a benefit management, or the number of other organizations out there, TPAs have a unique value proposition that can completely meet and exceed the expectations of most American employers. Let, let me maybe kind of push a little. So is it effectively a brand kind of challenge, building a brand? And, or is it the employers who don't really believe this? Is it the members who may not buy the Centivo card or BML card on their healthcare plan? Yeah, I'll start in Dallas if you'd like to add, or if you disagree with me, feel free to, to, to jump in there as well. I think, again, one of the things about our business is members are the eventual end users, but you have to go through the employer and certainly the advisors to get there. I think, Ramesh, it is the employer, and a little bit of it is an evolution. So if we think about the 401k industry as an example, most employers historically had their plans managed by the underlying fund managers over a period of time that changed and now a significant share of the market uses an independent third-party administrator to manage their 401k plans. I think we're going to see that type of an acceleration in the healthcare industry as well, where the concept of a network and the other attributes of what a carrier delivers is divorced from the core administrative platform. I think your points are actually right on. Ramesh, from a branding perspective, obviously TPAs 
traditionally are not of the size to put their logos on stadiums or, or naming rights on stadiums. So when you're competing in the health insurance industry with large corporations like United Healthcare and Aetna and some of the Blue Cross plans that exist out there on, on a daily basis, obviously from a brand recognition, we have a challenge there. And that's something that we all battle to some extent. I actually think education is about 85% of what we do in the TPA industry. And really, if you think about health insurance as a whole, especially over the last 20 years, the costs have been raised exponentially. And it didn't hit the radar up until really 10 years ago for most employers. And then the other thing was because they weren't applying the focus it probably deserved, because it traditionally is the second line item after payroll is the biggest expense that employers have. They didn't understand what was available or what was actually capable with inside the marketplace. So a lot of what we do is from an education standpoint, making them aware of what could be done and then being able to implement that and deliver that successfully in a very simple, integrated way. So those are kind of all challenges as a core that I feel like from the TPA industry are the ones that are the independent thinking ones, less carrier thinking, and the ones that really want to make a difference for the employers. Those are all kind of challenges we deal with on a daily basis. And for the most part, we excel at those. And so keeping the high level challenge, are there some of the smaller specific challenges, Dallas, that you are kind of trying to tackle and how have you tackled those? The challenges of, of the industry changing, as, as Ashik spoke about, and the 401k is a great reference to that because I do think we are on a similar path. I think it's taking a little bit longer because there's so much money involved in the healthcare system and uh, in health insurance as a whole. So there's a lot of opposition to what we're trying to achieve, which is really creating efficiency for employers. Uh, some of the, the challenges that we have really are around creating a member experience and engaging a member at the time that they need it. When most of the time members are not concerned about their health plans whatsoever until they need them. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a little challenge of, of intercepting them. We've created a lot of effort around that. Uh, actually our partnership with you, Ramesh and Zachary have been huge with regards to, to doing that. The other piece is really around creating efficiencies and efficiencies around getting those members to the best quality providers, which happen to also be typically on the lower costing side from our experience. So really playing a more involved hands-on role in that part of the process, which then in turn helps the plan run more efficiently, uh, cost-effective, and then ultimately saves that member money from a premium perspective. So it all works well in the ecosystem but none of that happens on its own. So those are all little little issues that, that we work through every day trying to create that best journey. Chuck, anything you'd like to that? Are the smaller challenges that you guys have tackled? I would put an emphasis on the term transparency and the fact that most TPAs at their core really believe in absolute transparency when it comes to reporting, disclosure, accounting for every penny in the healthcare ecosystem. And that is a stark difference with some of the larger players who make more money often on things that are outside of the headline price for core TPA fees, things like sharing in pharmacy rebates, things like participating in stop loss commissions, things like out of network shared savings. By the way, look, it's America. We, we, we don't begrudge anyone for trying to make a buck but we think it should be table stakes that these are fully disclosed, fully transparent, so that employers have complete visibility since it's their health plan and their money. And that's something that at a tactical level, 
being able to tell that story is one that is hard to do because Dallas nailed it. The market is not as educated as it needs to be on these sorts of things. So are you seeing that even larger TPAs do that? Or is it just a game that the health plans are playing around this lack of transparency or double dipping into things? I, I'll take a run of this first and then, then you can jump in, Ashok. I think you're seeing it at all levels. I think you have a couple things at play that exist. I think you have a TPA industry that for a long period of time functioned without much observation either, right? So I think you have a lot of legacy TPAs. We happen to be a legacy TPA 26 years, but we take transparency as something that's important and very valuable. And about a decade ago, really changed the way that we do business for where we saw the market going. But you have a number of folks uh, that exist out there that have not adapted that. And they, they to some extent, are, are preying on that lack of education that exists. But the most egregious, hands down, is going to be your, your insurance companies, your, your large carriers, and then the TPAs that are owned by those, right? Anytime a carrier-owned network is being utilized and you don't have the ability to appropriately edit, audit uh, some of those claims and, and really get, get your hands on those, even as an administrator... Those are red flags to us in our industry because we, we understand the capabilities of what can happen there. So I do think you're seeing it on a number of levels, but you definitely have a movement in the industry towards that, towards that transparency, and, and that's a good thing for everyone. Got it. Well, we'll uh, probably another deep dive topic, transparency. I want to move to really the member experience. Dallas, you talked a little bit about that. You know, I think taking one quick step back, we as consumers, Ashok, you talked about you know, experience things day in, day out. What are some of the good industries where you see and get inspired by the member experience? And what is it about that member experience that could be really brought into what you are doing as a TPA? And maybe Ashok, if you could go first. Yeah, it's a great question, Ramesh. I like to try to focus on industries that have concrete examples of good experience and bad experience and then try to isolate what makes for a good experience. So I'll give you an example. In the healthcare space, I'm personally a member of One Medical and I've had a terrific member experience with One Medical. And if I point to some concrete examples as to why, I'm able to get instantaneous information on my phone about my care, my care history, my labs, like some people gained a few pounds during quarantine. I don't mind sharing that. I went back and checked uh, easily, like where was I a few years ago? And yes, I've definitely gained a few pounds during quarantine. I'm able to schedule and book appointments easily. I'm able to communicate with nurses or others to get referrals easily. So as an example, there are industries that offer good experience and bad experience, but inside of healthcare, we've seen concrete examples of designing not for the needs of the provider, but designing for the needs of the consumer in terms of information flow and transaction speed and removal of friction. Those are the kinds of things I think innovative TPAs, you know, health plans can start to do. We've started to do some of those. And it sounds like from what Dallas has shared earlier, he's done a lot of that as well. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question. And when I think of service and kind of the way that we have these conversations with our member experience team is really, you know, when you have good service and you definitely know when you have bad service and that becomes very evident. And we want to be a partner that provides that excellent service. And, and, you know, one of the ones we talk about is Chick-fil-A. 
and what you know when you walk in there that that now it's it's so consistent it's an expectation almost uh, but it is starkly different than what we would view as their competition and it really comes down to attention to detail and effort and that's kind of an approach that we try to take into our business as we're working with members understanding that what we do has such a large effect on folks's life and it's something that they don't spend a lot of time thinking about. In fact, they spend more time probably thinking about Chick-fil-A in most cases until they need healthcare, and then we become really important, right? So I think all of that is trying to play a more active role in the process for folks who really need that piece. So, so you mentioned a very important point, Dallas, with, for a member experience in TPA industry particularly, people don't care, don't think about it at all suddenly an event happens or suddenly you need something, that's when the floodgates have to open. That's when you need to be ready there. How do you deal with that? How do you support that? Yeah, it's a challenge. It's a great question. Uh, It's a conversation that you and I have actually had numerous times over the last year and a half. Really, the solution is we don't know each member's preferred method of communication. So we've got to be able to intercept that member whatever method of communication that is. So a mobile application that we custom designed with you, Ramesh, and Zaggy Point, texting, everything from some folks from a telephonic and then even, you know, email. However we can reach those folks, we have to make those attempts to do it. And we have to progress our industry away from answering questions and more to outreach identifying things on the front side. We have so much access to information and data when it comes to a TPA, claims data, biometric data, all types of different types of data and information, pharmacy data, and really using that in a predictive manner to then help from an outreach perspective is the massive leap that we've made in the last 12 months. And it's been very beneficial for our membership. Ashok, how about from your side? What have you guys done to tackle that a lot of what Dallas has said really resonates. And a challenge I would add before we get into some of the things we do is by definition, an employer who's interested in a TPA is not interested in cookie cutter, is interested in flexibility and something unique. That adds an added layer because there may be things that we could in our ivory tower say, that's not a good idea. That will lead to a bad member experience. But if the employer wants it, then we need to deliver it. And so there's an added layer of complexity when it comes to member experience because we don't have control over every attribute of the program. But one of the things that we have tried to do, and I referenced this earlier, is in addition to TPA capability and functionality, we have created these unique sets of proprietary relationships with healthcare providers. And by having more control of the provider contracts, that allows us to solve for one of the greatest dissatisfiers in the member's health plan experience, which is how much is something going to cost? And what I like to challenge our team on is people need to know when they drive in their car to the parking lot of that physician's office exactly how much something's going to cost and not need a PhD and EOB interpretation to be able to figure that out 90 to 120 days later. So we have organized very clear, very transparent plans, free primary care, copay-based designs. But the reason we're able to do that is because we've controlled some of the raw materials production through these direct contracts. And that's been a big satisfier in addition to the member engagement through the more traditional TPA services. Got it. So on the back end, a lot of that innovation on contracting and plan design, and then flowing that to the member. 
One of the things I heard from a broker actually earlier today, I mean, sometimes HR people think that their members are not technology savvy or they don't really know how to use mobile or text. And this broker did a quick survey, got five people into the room and said, hey, do you use Facebook? Do you use mobile? Do you use texting? And the answer was yes to all of them. And that's when the surprise comes out that sometimes HR people themselves don't know their own member population and they might be driving you, know, you uh, your TPA business, like, hey, we need this. But the reality is the members are looking for something else. Does that happen a lot, that disconnect between what the members are looking versus your employers? I think you see some of that. There's a couple things that we've experienced since I've been in the business. Number one, with employers, the squeaky wheel, typically it's oil. And sometimes the perception is we have a bigger issue in a given area because there happens to be a squeaky wheel. So for instance, we've worked with employers that wanted to put in a special program geared towards hypertension or diabetes. And their belief was their claim spend was at a certain level and they had this borderline epidemic in their population. And when we really broke it down, it, it really hit on uh, 10 or fewer members and the claims costs were being managed and the folks that had those disease states were actually doing what they needed to be doing. It wasn't a fiscal responsible decision to put in to disrupt the membership without having a group that they were trying to actually serve and then a cost savings associated with that piece. So a lot of what it is, is, is the devil's in the details and it's perceptions versus data and reality. So we have a lot of those questions. I think it's also important to understand that in the human resources role for the majority of employers in this country, they're wearing a number of different hats. And the health plan management of that is really one that at times is very important for them and at other times kind of sits by the wayside. And what our job is on the TPA side is to try to make that as easy as possible while providing the most valuable information. So there's some of that. We do a lot of work on the front side with our human resources partners so we can kind of set them up for success. And then also we really prefer that they coordinate their members, those squeaky wheels with us, so we can supply the help that those folks need and try to free that human resources person up. But uh, the answer to your question is yes, that, that absolutely happens. Mm. Maybe any examples of the impact you've seen from these approaches you've taken, whether it's the member experience enhancement or some of the plan design changes? Ashok, you alluded to that. Maybe if you go, go first. Yeah, so uh, that gets to something we talked about earlier, the believability issue. There are tremendous savings opportunities. Some of them have some trade-offs when it comes to member experience, things like reference-based pricing, but there are some quick wins. So a good quality TPA that puts in a transparent program, puts in proper claim cost control, potentially optimizes networks in different areas, can improve the member experience and consistently save double digits from a percentage perspective. There's opportunities to save more, there's opportunities to save less based on the appetite of an employer. But that is one of the things that the industry is starting to understand that it's not simply the lowest price or the lowest cost if you shop with a known commodity that you can improve clinical quality. Dallas mentioned this earlier. You can improve member experience. And so without compromising on those, you can save money and it's because the mentality of an independent TPA is to relentlessly attack the waste and the inefficiency because that is how we survive. 
And that's a very different mentality from larger organizations in the sector. Help me unpack that a bit more. So you're saying the TPA mentality overall is to focus on just cost savings through inefficiencies, but your point really is clinical quality and efficiency together actually delivers more impact. Maybe help me and give me some examples. So a good example would be what TPAs typically do is to the point of that Dallas made, there's much more regularity in terms of review of data and analytics and really sitting with employers to think about different programs. And if, if an employer says, I want to institute a program, hypertension, diabetes, uh, or what have you, those programs could get implemented within 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. There's not a, let's wait for the next cycle. Let's wait for the renewal. So those are examples of quick hits, adding contracts. So if there's an opportunity to introduce a bundled surgery program and to steer members to that type of a program that creates fixed costs at a lower price point than simply a broad network, that can be instituted quickly and off cycle because the TPA's DNA and operational apparatus is to do that as opposed to this has to go through an exception process and a contract review and, and those sorts of things. So one example on the clinical side, one example more on the operational side, but the changes tend to be quick and they tend to be high impact in a TPA model. Any numbers you can share? What kind of impact? Do you- yeah. So again, it varies by type of population and size, but 15 to 40% subject to, again, the level of change that employer is, is willing to do. These are not one and two and 3% uh, lipstick on a pig, shuffling the deck chair on the Titanic type things. There are big opportunities. And candidly, one of the biggest areas is in the area of pharmacy. I tell a story. When I joined my consulting company out of college in the late 90s, Nobody had ever heard of organizations like Express Scripts and Medco and Caremark. Now, all of a sudden, these organizations are basically in the Fortune 10. And that is because of the big, fat amounts of rebates that are sitting in the system, not working towards the benefit of either the employer or the member. And so literally hitting that hard, which most TPAs do, is an opportunity to get immediate savings without compromising on member experience or quality. That's a great point because in the TPA space, we're from a transparent perspective and we see opportunity, we typically attack that opportunity. That's stark contrast to the carrier world and the insurance companies that see those areas as profit centers. So just as those large PBMs have been very successful, in fact, a PBM buying An insurance company, a large national insurance company should just alert you to the amount of money that's sitting in that system. But also those are profit areas for insurance companies and they're not typically transparent. And uh, in fact, almost never. So if you think about it kind of from that, it's a true philosophical difference of the way we approach the industries with regards to the TPA business in in relation to how an insurance company would would approach it. Ramesh, if I could just build on one point there. Again, even for self-funded clients, mandated medical loss ratio is a guide for how the business operates. And the reality is, if medical costs go up, that creates more dollars available for administration. And while it shouldn't affect the self-funded part of the business, it typically does. And a TPA doesn't have that mentality because it's not in that insured business. 
Just to build on that as well, I will tell you the interesting thing. When you really think about the ASO model with an insurance company or a carrier, and you look at it and you say, okay, 70% of their block of business is typically their ASO or self-funded business. Well, frankly, they're getting paid to process claims. There is no interest whatsoever in actually lowering the cost because if they put effort there, it costs them money efficiently. It's just a different philosophical model that exists in the system. And if employers sat back and treated health insurance like they do other parts of their business, the ones that do that, they become educated and they start to see the opportunity that exists in front of them. And that's where you see the significant migration to the TPA space. And I think that will only increase. Yeah, the model of the TPA is great. And there's a lot of kind of things that you touched on today. Any particular thing that you heard from the opposing side that you would incorporate in your business or anything that you, I guess, advise your, your opposing team that they need to be doing? I think you ended up finding two brothers from a different mother, given both the bills piece as well as the, the TPA perspective. I think benefit management, and I'd love to learn more in Dallas, so I'll make sure I find time to do that. But there's certainly a level of depth and experience that we're looking forward to learning from. But ultimately, there are some good TPAs in the market. They do a good job. They pay claims, answer phone calls. They support employers. And I think the biggest difference is those TPAs that do things the right way, they're making sort of a fair profit, which is completely appropriate in America, but not sort of making these outsized profits at a time where the average American has not seen a pay increase adjusted for inflation going on 40 years. And I think that's the thing that we have to keep remembering, that most of America, sadly, are making day-to-day decisions on, do I put food on the table, pay the rent, or can I afford these drugs? And the fact that there are not more organizations who are attacking that is something that we need more of. And so I applaud Dallas for uh, everything that you've been doing in this area. I appreciate that. We talked about this kind of a little bit before, but the TPA industry as a whole We're typically not in a ton of competition with each other in what we do. We do from time to time, but but ultimately we align philosophically with what we're trying to achieve. We may have different ways we want to choose to skin that cat, if you will, but ultimately we're working towards the same type of goal, which is helping an employer get to reach their goals and to become efficient with a health plan that they've believed is to some extent efficient. And then their eyes are open to the fact of how inefficient it's been over a period of time. And ultimately, that affects every piece of the business all the way down to their employees. And that's the key piece. And I appreciate Ashley bringing that up. And the focus that you and Centivo have had on the member is music to our ears, because ultimately, if we don't solve that problem, we're not going to be able to solve healthcare. Because as you said before, the end user is ultimately that member who's really a patient. And they're dictating the cost of that plan. So all the programs that we're able to put in uh, from a cost savings perspective, better member experience, better quality, all of that has to be utilized by those members when they become patients to really take effect and maximize that opportunity. And it's just nice hearing from somebody that has similar outlook when it comes to that piece of the business. I think, Ashok, as you said, looks like the two of you are twins over here. You align on very many points. Maybe it's the business of TPA that you guys are all aligned. Maybe it's that both of you are Bills fans over here. What do you think of the game on uh, Sunday then? Uh, Who's going to win? 
Ashok, I'll let you take a run at this first. So uh, my heart is squarely in Buffalo. My head is a little bit worried about our ability to guard that big tight end. Travis Kelsey is a wonderful player and the Bills have never had great success guarding those big, fast, mobile tight ends. But I'm going to go with my heart and let's say Bills 31, Kansas City 27. Wow, close. Dallas? I like that. I will tell you this. I feel very strongly. I felt very good about this game all week after Buffalo I was able to beat Baltimore, in which was a challenging game, challenging weather, which is typical in Buffalo uh, in January. But I will say I feel strongly the Bills will play well. And where that's going to shake out, I think we're going to find that out Sunday evening. But something tells me that uh, Kansas City might be ripe to get beat. They haven't played great for a couple months now, even though they've been winning. And you have a really hungry Buffalo team that's gelled and, and come together. And, and from my old coaching days, sometimes uh, that cohesiveness and the hunger that exists with the Bills who haven't had that success in about 27 years or so is you know a really driving force. In fact, it's been so long that a lot of those players, the majority of them weren't around when the Bills had success and were going to Super Bowl. So I think that hunger exists, and I think they've gelled at the right time. So I feel really strongly they're going to play well. So I'm thinking in the 31-24 range, so we're aligned there. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds like it's going to be great. It's going to be a great game, a lot of passion, a lot of excitement, strong team, and then at the same time, there's a strong support base here. So I, I look forward to it. And thank you very much for taking the time to, to share your perspectives, not just on the game, but also on your kind of work as a TPA. The super creative concept. So Ramesh, thank you for thinking of us and me and Santivo. I'll add one last thing. It's interesting, Dallas, you're going to the game this Sunday. I was at the game in 1994 when the Bills beat the Chiefs up in Buffalo and hopefully we'll have a similar outcome to that one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'm excited about it and, and it uh, should be a good time. Ramesh, again, thank you so much for putting this together. Uh, Ashok, it's a pleasure to meet you. I look forward to meeting you in person at some point. Uh, it's just great to get the word out a little bit about all the exciting things that we're doing in our industry. So thank you so much. And I would like to thank OptumRx, our sponsor of this show. Please join us again for another podcast in the series brought to you by HCAA's Voices of Self-Funding. Please like and share so we can build a community of like-minded people and tell us about topics that we should bring to you next. Please watch your email for updates on upcoming guests. I'm your host, Ramesh Kumar of Sacrifice Health.